Today on Blue 58, it is week one. How will the Packers fare in 2020? Before we find out, let's make some predictions about how the Packers are going to do this season. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. We got a long way to go in this one because I don't know if you noticed by the title, but I have a lot of predictions for this season. This is my second favorite episode of the entire year. The first episode, the first favorite is the one where we go back and go through all of our predictions and laugh at exactly how wrong we were. But to do that, we've got to sit down and actually make some predictions. Before we get to predictions, though, a couple topics we got to cover and a couple things I want to cover up top first. First, if you look in your show notes or just the description of this episode, uh, you will find a new link. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to look yet because this is the first time we've tried this. A new link from ACAST that's going to give you an opportunity uh, to donate directly for, uh, to the show. Now, we already do a couple ways for you to support the show. If that's something that you want to do, Patreon is an option. Buying a t-shirt, which I, I noticed somebody from YouTube said they bought a t-shirt. We have links to do both of those things. Uh, in the description as well. But our podcast host, Acast, has offered us a new way to connect with supporters. So if Patreon doesn't work for you, if you don't want to do the monthly commitment, you can do a one-time donation this way. It's a minimum of $3. That's the lowest they will let us go. Uh, but I feel like that's a, a good trade-off. Um, if, you, if you just want to kick in some support for the show and that's something you want to do, that's a, that's a good level there. So you can uh, go higher if you want. I don't know if there's an upper limit. I'd be thrilled if someone decided to try to test that theory, but that is an opportunity uh, for you there. Uh, I know there are a couple people out, out there have reached out with some mixed feelings about Patreon. I know they it's not everybody's cup of tea for a variety of reasons. That's fine. Uh, so this is another opportunity to do something like that if that's something you want to do. Again, no pressure. And if you do this, unfortunately, you don't get the access to the, the content we post on Patreon. But um, this is a, just another avenue for you. So that'll be there in the in the links in the in your show notes. We will mention that from time to time. And again, uh, no pressure there. Second thing I wanted to bring up, um, audio quality in the last episode was a little bit mixed, and I'm not exactly sure why. I've got some mixed reviews from some folks. I listened to it after it went out, and it sounded different than it was on my computer. I'm not really sure why that was. So apologies for that. Uh, we're still working out uh, some bugs with the new setup, but uh, I'm liking it so far, and it, it's working for us, and there's going to be some some good things to come with that as well, too. So uh, looking forward to doing that, too. You may have heard, over this weekend, the Packers were awful busy, cutting down their roster from 80 players to 53. 27 players had to be cut from the active roster, actually ended up being more than that, in a way because of injured reserve-type moves and stuff like that. We did our prediction episode for that last Thursday, ended up getting 48 of the 53 correct. And I feel pretty good about that because we didn't have preseason football to go on, limited training camp access from reporters this year. A lot of guesses out there, but there were some misses. And we'll go through those real quick right now. First and foremost, Jake Kumro is out. Malik Taylor is in. So when is a surprise not a surprise? Yeah, it's a little bit of a surprise that the Packers decided to not bring back the hero of Whitewater, Jake Kumro. But, um, when you're 28 years old and your most marketable skills are that you can run block pretty well, you better be something other than a wide receiver uh, because that's it's pretty much going to be it for you if you're that old already and you haven't reached much more of your ceiling than that. And yeah, he has done okay when he's gotten opportunities, but still, Malik Taylor's a nice big body. 
is probably a little bit more athletic than Kumaro. If he's a better receiver and even a slight downgrade at as a blocker, a run blocker, you're still probably coming out ahead there. So I, I, I'm pleased to see the Packers go with upside uh, versus familiarity there. And that's been the, the theme with a couple of these um, these surprises or, or ones that I got wrong, but that's that's a, a good trend, I think. Second one on the offensive side of the ball that, that I missed on was Alex Light uh, being cut in favor of Yash Nyman. Out of the five that I got wrong, this is the one that I would take back first. I was on the fence the most about this one, and I think this one would have been really apparent if we got any preseason football at all. Um, again, I was assuming the Packers were going to go with familiarity over potential here, but this is a, a very strong case or very good example of taking potential over familiarity. Clearly the Packers know more about Alex Light. They've had him on the roster uh, for more than a season now. Uh, Nyman's been around but hasn't been on the active roster as much, but I think it's pretty clear to see that he has more long-term upside than Light. I think in the past the Packers would have tended towards familiarity, and that's not necessarily a bad thing always, but um, potentially here wins out, and I'm, I'm glad to see it. You shouldn't just keep a guy only because you know him a little bit better. And there's obviously probably a much bigger case there to be made that Nyman gets picked up on, on waivers than Light. And as we see, that worked out because Alex Light is back in the practice squad. On defense, Trayvon Hester was the guy I picked to make it, and Montrevious Adams made it instead. This was a bit of wishful thinking in my part. Probably an uphill battle for Trayvon Hester to make the roster anyway, uh, what with his uh, coronavirus situation. But um, Adams ends up making it, and I hope the Packers know what they got here because it doesn't seem like he's given us all that many reasons to assume he's going to be anything more than he's been so far in his career. Um, The next one is the one I'm happiest to be wrong about. Uh, Tim Williams gets the axe in favor of Randy Ramsey. Ramsey is a really interesting, versatile piece. He can do a lot of things on defense, play a little bit of inside linebacker, a little bit of outside linebacker, rushes the passer uh, pretty well. He did it all at Arkansas, and I think the Packers probably think of him in a pretty similar role too. You can you can line up inside, he can line up outside, he can rush the passer, and uh, I'm interested to see what they do with him. Uh, he's probably as good on special teams as, as Tim Williams was, and I'm just happy again to see upside over uh, familiarity here. Williams pretty much has been has become who he's going to be in the NFL. He's been around for a while now, uh, former mid-round pick for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy to see Ramsey get a shot uh, and just see what they've got instead of going with Williams, who's a pretty fairly well-known commodity at this point. Finally, I predicted Stanford Samuels would make the roster, but he ends up on the practice squad and KB Onento heads to the 53-man roster for the time being. This is a very strategic move for the Packers, and technically I may end up being right here in a way, although the, the Packers did go short-term with a different cornerback, who we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, but Ento ends up on injured reserve, and Stanford Samuels is available on the practice squad right now. So this is just the Packers trying to keep Ento around and not expose him to waivers or anything like that and uh, gives them the opportunity to bring him back later on in the season. And remember, there's no limit on who can come back from injured reserve this year. So uh, that gives them more opportunities to move guys around there a little bit. But he is going to have to be out uh, for eight weeks at least. 
The Packers have also made some new outside additions, so let's become familiar with a few of their new names. Kamal Martin and Kebion Ento have gone to injured reserve, as we mentioned, Ento, and now Martin there too as well. So they have to fill the active roster, and they filled one of those two spots already. Um, Perry Nickerson is the guy heading to the active roster. He's a cornerback out of Tulane, a sixth-round pick for the New York Jets in 2018. He may not be an elite player, may not be an elite athlete overall, but he can do one really remarkable thing. He can run in a straight line extremely quickly. At the 2018 combine, he ran a 4-3-2 in the 40-yard dash, and it doesn't matter what else you can do. That's going to keep you employed in the NFL for a while, at least. He's now on his third team in three years, but you can find a spot for 4-3 speed somewhere on the field, at least for a little while. And it's pretty clear where that role might be for him, judging by his NFL career so far. So a sixth-round pick, like we said, in 2018. He played just over 200 snaps for the Jets on defense that year, but also more than 100 on special teams for the Jets. And that trend continued last year with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He played four games for the Jags last year, played 56 snaps on special teams in those four games. So if there is an immediate use for Mr. Nickerson here, it's probably going to be um, on special teams. Packers also made two outside additions to their practice squad, bringing in Dijon Scuda Harris, a linebacker out of Arkansas. 5'11", 234 pounds, kind of a middling to low-end athlete, actually a 3'28", relative athletic score, just doesn't do anything particularly outstanding and is a little bit undersized. So what's the appeal here? I'm not really getting it. Uh, Dane Brugler in his 2020 draft guide wrote this, quote, Harris plays with a physical, indestructible play style, arriving at the ball carrier with violent intentions. However, he is a heavy stepper laterally with below average acceleration to the football, which showed on perimeter runs and in coverage. Overall, Harris is a downhill force player with the attacking mindset and tackling skills to pad the stat sheet, but his production suffers outside the box, and the battle is usually over once blockers lock on, which limits his NFL versatility, end quote. So pretty clear what he is to the Packers. This is another guy in that B.J. Goodson, Antonio Morrison sidekick linebacker type role, a box linebacker, a thumper, but it's odd because he's a little bit on the smaller side for a guy who's playing that role. 5'11", 234 pounds is, is a little guy. B.J. Goodson was a lot of things, but small was not one of them. Uh, Antonio Morrison was not a uh, light in the pants either. He's a pretty big guy. Uh, Mr. Harris here is significantly smaller than both of them, and he doesn't have elite speed. 4.69 isn't bad, but if he's not making play outside the box very often, he's not putting that speed to work uh, with great regularity. So this is another Goodson-Morrison-type guy. Probably the upside here is special teams at most, and hopefully we don't see him much, but much beyond that. Finally, not athletically limited, Robert Foster, a wide receiver out of Alabama, also joined the practice squad. Another straight-line fast guy. Here's all you have to know about Robert Foster. Height doesn't matter. Weight doesn't matter. He has averaged 20 yards per catch twice for a complete season. Now, he hasn't had a whole lot of catches, but... In the time that he played with the Bills, he had 17 explosive plays on 30 career catches. To add a little bit more to the picture there, he played 157 snaps for the Bills on special teams last year, putting that low 4-4 speed to work on special teams. Packers ultimately are going to need one more addition to the 53-man roster here. We'll see if somebody gets promoted from the practice squad late in the week. I think we're going to see 
a lot of situations where the Packers aren't necessarily filling that 53-man roster right away early on in the week. They'll probably let things play out and move guys up and down from the practice squad. That's kind of be going to be the way things go this season. But we will get to start talking about exactly how that plays out on Thursday. Well, it'll be Thursday for me. It'll be Friday for you when we preview the Packers' first game of the 2020 season. It's coming. So let's do some predictions. Like I said up top, this is one of my favorite episodes of the year. I like making... I Actually, no, I should say that a different way. I don't really like making predictions because predictions are more time capsules than they are anything that really matters at all. So the predictions are good at grasping, at, at encapsulating how you think at a particular time, which is good if you actually go back and look at what you thought at some point. Sports media is not particularly given to that second part there. We don't get a lot of reflection in sports media. So I figured if we're going to do predictions, we might as well make a big thing of it. Let's make a bunch of predictions at once, check in on them at a couple points throughout the year, and then at the end of the season, we'll go back and laugh at how wrong we were about a bunch of things. Uh, So we're going to break these predictions into three categories. First, team predictions. Second, individual player performance. And then third, just kind of grab bag predictions that fall into a variety of categories. And we'll put these all on a big tracker worksheet, a a spreadsheet that I will uh, direct your attention to periodically, probably at the midway point of the season, maybe at at the quarter. So after four games, eight games, 12 games, and so on. Um, I'm also going to give myself a little bit of an out this year because we got a couple of predictions wrong last year. So I'm going to give myself the opportunity to pull predictions off the board if guys are injured. So we'll have a couple of predictions. For for instance, I, one of the predictions, we'll give this away. So we'll be down to 30 for this episode. But I, I predict that Devontae Adams will break 1,000 yards. Say he's injured again, I'm going to give myself and out there. So I'm going to say if a guy misses more than three games, we're just going to pull that prediction off the board entirely. We won't grade ourselves on that one. So I think everybody kind of understands why that is that way. There's no reason to to spend time worrying about a prediction that goes one way or another if if a guy is, is gone due to injury. So let's start at the very beginning. How many games are the Packers going to win this year? I predict a two-for-one here. The Packers will have fewer than 13 wins this year, but the Packers will have more than nine wins this year. Combo prediction. That means I think the Packers will have between 10 and 12 wins this year. That's a narrower narrower range than last year, but I think that's fitting what I think the Packers are shaping up to be in 2020. A higher floor, but the ceiling is probably ripe for a little bit of regression if you look at the 13-win season they had last year as their ceiling. And I want to emphasize, I don't think that means that the Packers are going to be worse that year just because they than last year just because they don't necessarily win as many games. You can be a very good team but not win as many games year to year. What would you rather have? The 15 and 1 2011 Packers that get bounced in their first playoff games game or the 10 and 6 2010 Packers that go on to win the Super Bowl. I think we all know which was the better team there. All right, so that that's what I'm trying to get at there with the with the floor and ceiling talk. Probably a, a higher floor, maybe a slightly lowered ceiling, but 
the ceiling is just the win total there, not necessarily how good they could potentially be. I also predict the Packers are going to win the NFC North. Now, this is an offseason where we, we really know less about other teams and even our own team than ever before. But I think even looking at the limited information we have, I feel comfortable saying that nobody else made enough progress for the Packers to not be the favorite right now. The Vikings did a lot of good things. I still think the, the Packers are, are a better team right now based on the evidence we have, which is which is pretty minimal. And this this is a prediction that could look laughable by the end of the year, but I think the Packers make uh, handle the NFC North again and go on to win. So I, th- I think the Packers will win between 9 and 12 games and win the NFC North. I also think the Packers will get at least to the divisional round this year, either by getting a bye or by winning a playoff game. They made it to the NFC Championship game last year. That was great. I'm going to predict they at least get to the divisional round this year. Some predictions about the offense. I think the offense will be better overall by Football Outsiders DVOA metric. I think the rushing offense will be slightly worse, but I think the passing offense will be better. So the gains that are going to come on offense will happen because the passing game is more efficient. I think that'll come from Aaron Rodgers having a better year, uh, from being in the second year of the system, and by, by getting more consistent performances from the wide receivers, as well as having some more versatile options at tight end. Last year, uh, they were eighth by DVOA overall on offense, so they're, they're going to have to be pretty good to be better than they were last year. But a lot of that was because they were fourth overall in rushing and 10th in passing. 10th uh, passing counts for more. So I think if the Packers can be better, if they can be eighth or ninth in passing and, and maybe you know 10th or 12th in rushing, they could still be better overall. On defense, I think the Packers will be slightly worse overall by DVOA. Uh, But I also predict the Packers won't be worse than 20th overall by that metric. They were 15th last year, largely because of their run D pulling them down. Um, If if they're not quite as healthy on defense this year, their pass rating, which was 10th overall in the league last year, will probably suffer a little bit. But I think overall the Packers will be in the top half of the league uh, on defense by that number. I also think the Packers' special teams will be better. Uh, They were just 18th overall by DVOA last year, and I think they'll be better this year if they just let J.K. Scott kick. He had kind of a swoon toward the middle of last season when Sean Menenga was fiddling with his release and trying to get him to do some different things with with dropping the ball. I think just let J.K. Scott kick. He's a real good kicker. Just let him do his thing and let him figure it out and, and figure out what he's going to do. So I think that will help the Packers uh, win the field position battle a little bit more and rate a little bit better in their metrics. So there's my overall team predictions, 10 predictions there. Let's talk about some individual players, starting with Aaron Rodgers. I think he will throw for more than 30 touchdowns in 2020. At 26 last year, felt like they left some on the table. I think he gets over 30 this year. I predict that Devontae Adams will break 1,000 yards this year, and I also predict that both Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling will combined combined to put up more than 1,100 yards. So whatever breakdown you want to have between the two of them, 700 for one, 400 for the other, whatever, I think they're going to break 1,100 yards this year. I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty high on both of them, probably higher as a pair than most, but I don't, I don't feel too bad about that. If you look at their numbers, they were not terrible, just box score numbers last year. The big deal for MVS was consistency, and a lot of that had to do with his injury. Injuries, actually multiple injuries, a knee and an ankle kind of hampered him for all of last season. 
they had about 900 yards put together last year, and I think actually a little bit more than that, in fact, and I think they can do about that much again. So I, I feel pretty confident about that prediction. It's not a big jump, especially combined. I think Aaron Jones breaks 1,000 yards again this year, but I think he will have fewer total touchdowns than he did in 2019, but still more than 12. So that's two and a half predictions there. Um, I think he will be better in year two with LaFleur. I think he will have more full command of the offense, but I think uh, I think statistically it's going to come back to earth a little bit just because of how many touchdowns he picked up last year. That's hard to duplicate. Elsewhere on the running back depth chart, I predict that A.J. Dillon will end this year with more snaps than Jamal Williams. He's third on the depth chart right now, but that doesn't really matter. I think down the stretch, Dillon is going to start to outpace Jamal Williams, and I think that's ultimately the plan for the Packers as they look towards next year and want Dylan to take on an even bigger role in 2021. However, even if he plays more snaps than Jamal Williams, I think Packers rookies will make fewer than six starts total this year as a group. This is a depth draft draft class for the Packers, and I think that's going to be reflected in playing time. They may still play a lot of snaps, but they're not going to be high-profile snaps for this team. Let's sure as heck hope that those six starts also are not coming from Jordan Love, because if we have gotten to Jordan Love on the depth chart, things have gone terribly wrong. Prediction number 17, I think Jay Sternberger is going to end 2020 with the most catches among Packers tight ends. Um, There are a few options here that that may compete with him. I'm not sure how big a a role tight end is going to play in in the Packers receiving game, but I think Jay Sternberger ultimately gets the nod here. I went back and forth on this one for a while. I think there's a chance that uh, Rob Tanyan, Bob Tanyan, gives him a um, a real run for his money. I think he's going to play a fairly significant role here, and there's a lot to like about his game, but I think Sternberger ultimately just gets more opportunities and uh, leads the Packers tight ends in catches. Switching to defense, I think Zadarius Smith will have fewer sacks in 2019, but will ha- still have more than eight sacks. So that puts his range between eight and 13, as he had 13 and a half last year. As Mike Smith was careful to point out, the teams can pressure the the passer in more ways than just getting sacks. So there's more to his game than just getting that part of the box score here. Uh, Along those same lines, I think Preston Smith will also have fewer sacks in 2020, but he will still have more than five. So that puts him between five and 11. That's going to be in part because Rashawn Gary is going to get more opportunities this year, and I think he's going to have more than five sacks this year. He'll get a lot more opportunity, and I think he can convert them. I think he's going to have a nice statistical year here in year two. I think Kenny Clark is going to make a Pro Bowl this year. I don't want to put a number on Kenny Clark because he really affects the game in ways that are not really super adequately measured in the box score. Um, So I, I, I don't want to put an exact number on his performance this year, but I think he'll be recognized with a Pro Bowl bid. On the back end of the defense, I think Kevin King is going to have fewer than five interceptions this year. Had kind of a fluky year last year with interceptions. Um, and I don't think he's going to be able to duplicate it. I don't think Jair Alexander will will break five interceptions either, but I do think he is going to make the Pro Bowl. Finally, I think the Packers, just as a team, are going to end up using more players than last year. They, I don't know if this has been widely talked about, but 
as healthy as the Packers were, they still ended up using a, a very, very, almost like microscopic amount of players last year, just 60 total players all of last season. That's the fewest they've used in any single season since they used 59 in 2015, almost half a decade. That's pretty wild. And I think they're going to end up using more than 60 this year. 60 was the second fewest in the league last year. The Packers were just remarkably healthy. Finally, just random grab bag predictions. I think David Bakhtiari is going to get a contract extension before the end of the season. I think Tremont Williams ultimately plays at least one game for the 2020 Packers, but I also think Jared Veldhier will not. If they haven't signed Veldhier at this point, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Williams is going to get a call at some point here, though. I also think John Lovett is going to be on the active roster at some point this year. Uh, Lovett, you should know, or should to, should take note, is no longer listed as a fullback on the Packers roster. He is now listed as a tight end. He's a big fullback. He's a pretty small tight end, and I think that gives us some clues as to how the Packers think of their tight ends in this offense. Not all of them are real tight ends anymore, but that's a discussion for a different day. Finally, I think we are going to have the entire 2020 NFL season. I went on record with that back in, I think it was June, we talked to uh, Ryan Schlipp of uh, the Packernet podcast, and uh, I, I just think we're going to find a way to have this entire season, pandemic or not, fans or not, I think they're going to get this whole thing in. Things have gone pretty well for the NFL so far in their quarantine world, in their kind of quasi mini bubbles. They've done a pretty good job of keeping everything under control. However, to this point, they've been playing on easy mode. Things are about to get harder when you start introducing travel, new environments, new cities, more people. Things get a lot more complicated. And as we saw with Major League Baseball, things can go off the rails really quickly. But as we also saw with baseball, it is possible to get through stuff without having to shut everything down. That may not be the best decision. It may not be the wisest decision. But I think the NFL is going to find a way to push through. And I think you can make a statement on that without calling it a good thing or a bad thing. And until we see this play out, we're not going to know either way. I do think we are going to go all the way through here, though. We're going to start here. We're going to finish with a Super Bowl at some point in the future. February, right? Right? That's when the Super Bowl is now. Who's to say? We're going to get this whole thing in. And I'm excited to watch it. And it's hard to believe after the last eight months we've been through, that two days from now I'm going to be sitting in my basement recording a preview podcast for week one of the NFL season. But here we are. We've made it. It's time. I want to hear your predictions. Weigh in wherever you happen to be, and I will add them to our tracking document. I think we can all keep track of our predictions together. If you're on YouTube weigh in there. If you find this show via social media someplace, weigh in there. If you want to email in the power sweep at 1959 at gmail.com is where you find us. Or if you've been in contact with me personally, get your predictions there as well. We'll, we'll track them all and see how we do in 2020. I'm very excited 
and I hope you are too. So I've got for you on this episode, if you think somebody would benefit from hearing this show, do me a favor and share it with them. That helps more people find the show and helps us continue this conversation around the Green Bay Packers, ultimately achieving our goal of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.